You're on the panel, RNZ National, Wallace Chapman here. Nice to be with you. Emily Lofton, Mark Noll Thomas with me today. Now, State Highway 58 Whitby is now open between the intersections uh, with Postcade Drive and James Cook Drive from a prior slip. And all flights in and out of Wellington have been cancelled until further notice due to severe gales across the city. Met Service has issued a heavy rain warning for the capital, lasting from 9am until 6pm uh, Thursday. But with us is uh, RNZ reporter Kirsty Frame in Wellington. Kia ora, Kirsty. Kia ora, Wallace. How are you? Very well. Sounding windy already. Where you are? Where, where, where exactly are you? <laughs> Well, I'm only actually uh, on the terrace in yeah. central Wellington. You know, all of Wellington in this situation is pretty much ground zero. I've only just actually in the last couple of minutes, it seems that there's been a little bit of peace. The wind has actually died down surprisingly, but it's been very much the opposite I'm just most look- of the day. Yeah, Kirsty, I'm looking at some of the images across the city, some pretty, pretty extraordinary uh, photos, a big a cataman awash by the shore here. Um, but where are the most affected areas, do we know? Yeah, where that boat uh, uh, got you know, smashed in Eastbourne today has definitely been the most affected area in Wellington just by nature of that road being cut off. Uh, it's been cut off since about, I think it was about 10 o'clock, maybe 11 this morning, and they're not expecting to open it back up until 5pm. So that's the whole suburb of Eastbourne cut off at this point. Um, the the southern coast is still getting a bit of bit of swell action. Um, we know that they are meant to sort of die down by the rest of tonight. Even as Oriental parades, the boat sheds uh, have gotten a bit of flooding from the, that water coming in from all of the, the swells that have really just been the, the crux of it today and, and this wind is not making uh, it any easier. Yeah, so quite a few residents, I think about uh, 3,000 residents are cut off with road closures, ferries cancelled. Uh, what yeah. are we anticipating uh, in the evening ahead and overnight, Kirsty? What we are anticipating is the swells are meant to get heavier, but it is, oh, excuse me, it's coinciding with... Uh, with the low tide, so we aren't expecting it kind of to, to ease um, ahead again. Sorry, that wind's picking up. I don't know if you can hear. I sure um, can. So <laughs> we're kind of crossing our fingers, I guess, that, yeah. that the worst has come, but it's definitely quite a miserable day here down in Wellington. We also had, uh, we just got figures from Fire Emergency New Zealand. They, they say from uh, all of the lower North Island, say there's been 98 reported weather-related incidents, so definitely quite a lot of action around. Yeah, all right, Kia Kirsty, thanks for being with us here on the panel. That's RNZ reporter Kirsty Frame there. Uh, ten past four. Well, it feels like everyone is sick. Businesses are closing doors with too many staff unwell. Waikanae Library and Service Centre has closed for at least a week due to winter flu and COVID. With us is Kapiti District, uh, Kapiti Coast District Council Group Manager, People and Partnership Manager Janice McDougall. Kia ora, Janice. Kia Wallace. When did it become clear you'd have to close? Uh, yesterday uh, um, we started to realise that the challenges that we were having with this kind of perfect storm of um, COVID, flu and other winter ills and um, you know people needing to take leave during the school holidays had got to the point where um, there just weren't going to be enough staff to keep um, all of our um, service centres and call centre going. So, um, you know, that was the, the first trigger. And then likewise in the library um, for... So why can I, as a, as a mix of a library and a service, a customer service centre, um, and, and on the library side of the fence, they were having the, the very same issues. So we've been working hard over the last few weeks to try and keep things going as the illness has hit. But 
you know, it became clear yesterday that everything we'd put in place just wasn't enough anymore. Yeah, very rare thing for a library to close, isn't it? I mean, have you had to do this before? So um, we've actually fared better than we thought we would um, yeah. over the last few months. We've had to close the service centre at this particular library before um, to maintain our other customer channels, and there have certainly been times where for half a day or a few hours here and there um, our library hours have been affected. We've had to, had to close early or, or not open at the weekend or that kind of thing, but um, this is a closing it proactively for a week to um, to ensure that we can, can resource across the libraries altogether, um, this is a bit of a first there for us. Uh, I'd love to hear from you um, across the country if you are similarly affected uh, as Janice and we have uh, another guest on very, very shortly. But uh, Emily, can you relate to this regards your workplace? I can, and I can see it everywhere. Like so many workplaces that are down on numbers it does make me worry about underlying stress levels that mm. a lot of people are carrying, trying to, you know, make up for their colleagues being away. I do, I do um, wonder though, Janice, thinking about the, the Carpety Coast and the amazing resources you have of the of the residents there, is there a way for the library to incorporate volunteers from the community to do some of the, I appreciate the service centre tasks might not be, uh, suitably done by volunteers, but are there aspects of the library work that could be done by the you know lovely retired community there who are probably very passionate about books and libraries and things? Uh, we've got an active volunteer program um, throughout our libraries. Uh, but there are some um, tasks that can only be done by council staff, particularly those that relate to some of our technology systems or um, things that are, you know, related to our financial management practices and that kind of thing. So volunteers are great to have, but they can't necessarily do all of the work that staff might do. Yeah, Mark. No, of course. Uh, well, I think it's a crisis because this is this has been exacerbated by COVID, but shortages across many sectors were long before um, we've had the sickness of COVID in the last sort of six months really kicking in. I think uh, the immigration and working holiday visa situation has been dire, and in particular the hospitality sector, which has been was down this year's down on last year, last year's down on the year before, and 2020 is down on 2019. So compounding decreases in spend in the sector um, because they've got lack of workers. And we had people talking about this as a problem 18 months ago. Uh, and it's been exacerbated by obviously the COVID sickness now. Now that we're out of lockdown, everyone's back to normal. Um, there aren't enough people. And it is incredibly stressful for so many small business owners having to close their restaurants on various days of the week or having to close for entire shifts because they haven't got staff to cover. Uh, they can't recruit staff. They can't find staff. So New Zealand's been part of a very well-oiled uh, working holiday program for many years with many countries where people travel to and from, and we did the same going overseas and vice versa, and that's all but dried up. And uh, it is a crisis, and I think the current uh, trajectory of immigration, what they're rolling out with the new philosophy, is absolutely astounding on the timing of what they're trying to achieve. Okay. Uh, and, yeah, thank you, uh, Mark. Our next guest will uh, address some of those things. But finally, Janice, um, uh, what has it been like on existing staff? Because there are some real pressures there are having to step up to other people's shoes. Oh, look, or fill I think, roles. Um, across all of the different functions that councils provide, which are really broad and touch, you know, many, many parts of everyday life for, for people in the communities that we serve, um, it's been an incredibly 
pressure and stress-filled um, couple of years since COVID. And, you know, local government is not immune to the same challenges that other sectors are facing around recruitment, um, retention, uh, and um, it, it's, it's just as challenging a time for us as it is for everybody else. And, you know, as a senior leader in the organisation, the bit, the bit that keeps me awake at night is what is the impact uh, that, that this is having on our people. So mm-hmm. that's why we end up um, having to make really difficult decisions like, um, you know, closing, closing a library or a service centre. It's because we are focused on trying to keep this as manageable as possible for our staff. Kia ora, Janice. Thank you for your time. That's Janice McDougall there from uh, the Kapiti Coast District Council. Uh, listen to that as Ella McDonald, Head of Advocacy and Strategy at Employers and Manufacturers Association. Ellen, um, tell us, what are you seeing well, I think one of your uh, one of your commenters earlier uh, nailed it. It's pretty dire at the moment. Um, we're seeing it's a perfect storm, really. There, there were skills and people shortages. We've got, and that was pre-COVID. We've got very low unemployment, so there aren't many people around. We've got the pandemic. I think we've got an abnormally high flu season as well because the flu has been out out of our communities for a couple of years. Um, and that's you know I think if it was a normal year without the pandemic, we'd have high absentee rates because of the flu as well. Um, and then we've had an immigration tap that's basically been turned off as well. Um, that's loosening, but not fast no. enough, and there is a transition. So we've got a perfect storm of circumstances. You've got issues, many areas, don't you, Alan? Air yeah. New Zealand, cafes, restaurants, as Mark said, buses and public transport. Yeah. What yeah. about yeah. the stadium staff for the All Blacks Island game on the weekend? Have you heard about that? Yeah, apparently the, they normally run Sky Stadium now, isn't it, uh, the Wellington Stadium. So they normally run that with about 4,000 people. Um, and about a week or so before the game, they only had 1,500. Uh, and they managed to scrape, borrow, scrimp and you know, press gang people in to make it about 3,000. But that led to pretty long queues for everything and probably a suboptimal experience from what the stadium would normally deliver uh, and a bit of frustration for spectators. But it's not just there. Uh, the Auckland Island game, for example... Uh, a number of the hotels couldn't open, fully open all their rooms because they didn't have enough staff to service the rooms. Uh, my local hairdressers going they're down from four staff to two and they're going to take one of the Saturdays off and that's their busiest day. I went around the corner yeah. after my haircut to get a cup of coffee only to find my local seven-day bakery is now a five-day operation because you can't find staff. Um, yeah. and, and you're seeing it right through the system. Bars and restaurants, as, as Mark, I think, talked about earlier, only, five, only open five days a week uh, or running reduced hours. We've got factories running one shift instead of two. Both our major ports at the moment are struggling with high absentee rates. So it's all over the place. All right. Janice, your thoughts on that? Emily. Sorry, not Janice. Sorry about that. Uh, Emily. <laughs> oh, look, just deepest sympathies. I think, you know, as frustrating as it can be to turn up somewhere and find that they're no longer open on Saturdays, we just have to, you know, sorry to quote an old phrase now, but be kind and, um, you know, understand that there aren't the people to staff these positions and we just have to tolerate that shopping isn't what it used to be. Hospitality can't be what it used to be just at the moment. We'll get through this. We'll get yeah. through winter. We'll come right. You see, Mark, going back to your, uh, your, your I've been thinking and your silver lining there, we are in the midst of a pandemic. It's a very unique situation. We've never been in this situation before. I grant you the fact that there were some issues prior to the pandemic, but these are unique times. We simply have to work together and ride it out.
Oh, I agree to a point, but I think, you know, the government are really pouring fuel on the problem by some of their immigration po uh, policies and the change of direction with their philosophy fundamentally at this time in the problem of the pandemic is, is really quite misguided. And to, to Alan's point too, we've got hotels. If you try and book a hotel around the country, you might find that it's very expensive right now. The, the daily rate is very high. It's not because they're creaming it. It's because only half the hotel's operating they haven't got enough staff to service all the rooms. So it's a crisis and it's not being helped by government policy. You, you, your thoughts on that, Alan? Uh, probably two things I'd say that could help very quickly. And yep. the first is very unlikely, is that allow people to come back to the workplace if they're testing negative. Um, but I, I don't think in the current environment the, the government's open to that at all. Um, and the immigration settings... The balance isn't right. Um, we're, we're the single biggest handbrake on the recovery and growth for businesses is access to people and skills. They just they simply don't exist. So longer term, we have to put a lot more work into our unemployed because at 95,000, most of those people need more than a job to get them back into the workplace. And it doesn't matter how much you pay them, they're going to need wraparound services. We need to do more to get the 120,000 on job seeker benefit back into the workplace. So that's a longer term fix. And we need to have a transition, I think, in the immigration. We've gone from fairly full and easy access to a, a tap that's really throttled back, and we've probably gone too far. So we, we need to find some balance, recognising that the shortages are right across the spectrum, not just at the top end, not just at the bottom end, but right through the spectrum. You're right. Um, and when we do get through the flu season and the pandemic season, yes, it will ease, but um, not enough, I think, for the kind of level of recovery that we want. Okay, Alan, thank you. Alan McDonald, the Head of Advocacy and Strategy at the EMA. And it's also, Emily, just the guilt of it too. If you need to take some time off and you're still feeling just that little bit, uh, that little bit under the weather, there's that pressure also perhaps to um, feel that you should get back into the office. I think that's changed, Wallace. You know, yeah. the pandemic has taught us to stay away when you've got symptoms. And I actually think that's a great change because it used to be a bit of a badge of honour to carry on and go to work with a cold. These days, you turn up somewhere with symptoms, people are likely to take a step back you, and invite you, you to go home. <laughs> do you think, though, do you, do you really think? I mean, I'd love to hear from the listeners on this because there is that um, subtle pressure is there not, Mark Thomas? You'd know this. Um, for I, you to get yeah, back, get back into the office. Okay, you might have some symptoms, but you've tested negative. Uh, when are you coming back? No, I think you know early on in the in the pandemic, where you know we started all doing our own rat tests, people were quite vigilant, and uh, if you had a slight sniffle, you were kind of red carded and sent home packing. Um, but the reality is, a lot of small business owners they really can't do anything without um, without people being on board. And I think, although I'd say there's no pressure, there is a lot, or there might be in some places. But I think there's a lot of internal pressure from people as individual employees. I've got to help out. I've got to do blah blah blah. But the thing that concerns me at the moment is that people are now stopping testing. So if they've got a cold, they're not testing. They just don't want to. They don't want to know the results because they know they have to do isolation, and they're not doing that. That's, that's something which is a growing problem, I think. Okay. Uh, Mark Knopf Thomas and Emily Lofton with me today, 23 past four. Keep the uh, texts coming uh, for the 430 Music, uh, 35 years of the one of the great albums of all time, Appetite for Destruction. I'm desperate to play Welcome to the Jungle, but we had a big disagreement in the office uh, and they reckon Sweet Child of Mine. It's Sweet Child of Mine. I really want those 
welcome to the jungle text to really come up because I'm not winning uh, and that's not a good thing. So uh, text me 2101 what song from that album should we have Sweet Child of Mine or Welcome to the Jungle. To this, New Zealand toy giant, giant rather Zuru has taken the online review platform Glassdoor to a US court to find out who was behind a recent spate of scathing reviews. There are concerns that disgruntled workers being silenced from speaking out after toy maker Zuru won a legal battle to have the identities of anonymous online critics disclosed. The court ruled in favour of the toy company giant because under New Zealand law, the company had an argument to at least plead its case for defamation. With us is uh, Nikki Chamberlain, a senior law lecturer at the University of Auckland. Nikki, kia ora, welcome. Hi, Wallace. Thank you for having me. Pleasure. Quite an extraordinary case here. Is this a new precedent? Precedent? Has this ever been done before the company wins? That's a really good question. Uh, to my knowledge, this is the first time uh, that we have had this specific situation. So we've got a review company uh, domiciled in the United States, in specific um, the Northern District of California, and the court there has ordered uh, discovery that a subpoena be acted upon uh, by Glassdoor to release uh, the name of the commenters on its website to Zuru for the purpose of uh, the defamation proceeding, which Zuru has uh, said they intend to file uh, against those against those those people. So um, it's it's quite um, astonishing insofar as I think a lot of people in New Zealand won't realize that when they're posting things anonymously online, mm-hmm. uh, it might not be just so anonymous because freedom of speech has to be balanced against protecting the reputation right. of whomever they're talking about. Uh, and so there are justifiable limits in New Zealand on freedom of speech that people need to be aware of. Very good, very good advice this afternoon on the panel. Uh, around the panel on uh, this, Emily. Oh, look, I just, this drives me nuts, anonymous reviews where people can feel like they can just say whatever they like. You know, it might be a competitor dissing another restaurant or, um, and in this case, you know, if it is disgruntled staff, you know, it's like you going and spray painting on someone's building some ridiculous statement about them. It's just such a bad thing to do. And reviews are everything for many, many, many businesses. They are gold. And to get a bad review is something you take really seriously. And if you can't see where it's come from and it's not even supported, then it's just harming your business. It's a it's crazy that you're allowed to do anonymous reviews. Yeah, but this is but a... surely with this situation, they you know, then what it tells me is that the company and the employees have got dreadful communication channels and, and that's actually what they should be putting their energy into is coming up with other ways to make sure that their employees are heard. Nikki, stay there, we'll get Mark on for this too, Mark. Yeah, I agree with Emily. I think, you know, if you're making an anonymous review, uh, that, that's it's so not fair on the other side who are not anonymous. Uh, and I think if you are making it a negative review about an employer, they have to be held to account. It's got to be fact based on fact and it has to be verifiable. 
Um, and I'm not, I'm not a fan. I mean, these days across the board, reviews online are not that reliable. You know, you can buy reviews. You can also all kinds of weird and crazy things are happening. Um, but I think it's really opened a can of worms for Glassdoor with their product offering where employees can review employers. Um, and this may be may make them think quite carefully on what they're doing. I guess the other issue, though, is, Nikki, uh, the uh, interesting what Emily and Mark say, but um, the upshot of this is workers might also fear that they just can't expose anything untoward happening at work. It might, in fact, create quite the chilling effect. Uh, in, in New Zealand, it could. However, what I would say to uh, workers is that they're entitled to have opinions and they're entitled to express those opinions, provided those opinions are genuinely held and they state the facts upon which their opinion is based and those facts are not materially different from the truth. So if they can do those things, uh, then they are entitled, of course, to have an opinion, no matter how... Um, unsavory that opinion might be. Um, What I will say is, in relation to Glassdoor, though, I mean, New Zealand um, has uh, more restrictions on freedom of speech than the United States does, for example, right? Because freedom of speech in the United States is protected by uh, the First Amendment and the Constitution. So because of that, pure opinion in the United States uh, is protected, and you don't have the carve-out for defamation. So Glassdoor, you know, the American market is rather big. Uh, Companies which are domiciled in America, um, commenters who are employees in America, they won't have the same issue that we're having uh, because of New Zealand defamation laws. There's a different balancing of interest between freedom of speech uh, and privacy concerns and the right to protect your reputation. Very interesting, Nikki. I wish we had more time. It's so fascinating. But for now, uh, kia ora. Thank you for your time. That's Nikki, Nikki Chamberlain, Senior Law Lecturer at uh, the University of Auckland. A big response to our former story. Uh, if someone calls in sick, our bosses roll their eyes. Be kind uh. is not the norm, a new norm. Stay home if you have symptoms is not supported in all business places. The old school Soldier on attitude is alive and well, and people do not feel comfortable using their sick leave in all workplaces. P.S. Welcome to the jungle all day long. Uh, Liz, (laughs) (laughs) thank you. Liz Nordauer is uh, saying, Wallace, my daughter-in-law is a teacher. Recently, when she completed her isolation but still not fully well, she was told in no uncertain terms by her principal that she had to be at school the next day. You're on the panel, RNZ National, Emily Lofton and Mark Thomas with me. Uh, In two minutes' time, we find out whether it will be uh, Welcome to the Jungle or Sweet Child of Mine. I'm really hoping, I'm really hoping it is Welcome to the Jungle because that is the best song. But I'm putting it down to you. Uh, uh, You're holding the fort this afternoon. 